0: A lot of throat clearing on this one. I'm just going to warn you ahead of time. We uh, we had some beer and we had some sparkling water, and for whatever reason, that messed up everything about my voice. But fortunately, I didn't do too much talking because my guest rocked it out. But first and foremost, uh, sponsors, uh, like every other episode, were brought to you by Camera Ambassador. Camera Ambassador is a company I've gotten to work with a lot. They're a film resource. I do. They do mainly equipment, um, but they, you know, they have a music studio in there. They have uh, a set space as well as studio. Some most people call it. Um, I've gotten to film in there and and run by a bunch of wonderful people who are just really trying hard to empower the creator and, and really give them the resources they need to, to help what's you know help what they need to have happen come true. I you know they've certainly done it for me and, and a lot of other people. Um, so check them out, cameraambassador.com. Listeners of this podcast will get 20% off. Give them a call. They're not one of these websites that's like, hey, you know, everything we do, including customer service, is going to be online now. They like to have an actual conversation with you, which I super appreciate. Um, so give them a call. Listeners of the podcast, like I said, tell them you heard from here, and they're going to give you 20% off, either Adam or Sonia. yada, yada Sorry, my voice is... A long podcast, and then I sound good on that, and then all of a sudden I can't talk here. Um, so definitely check them out, cameraambassador.com. We're also brought to you by Sediment Creative. Sediment Creative is a company that I started, um, and what we're about is developing your story, developing content to help you know explain who you are and, and really develop and build your audience and build your business through content and outreach. It's not the one trick like, oh yeah, we'll do a commercial and there's 10 grand. Thank you very much. It's the, okay, here's your plan. Here's how we're going to develop this content. Here's how we're going to do it cheaply. And here's how we're going to be able to actually produce an ROI. So if you're a business, if you're getting started, especially check us out, sedimentcreative.com. Shoot me a line. I am one of the online people because I screen my phone calls, Um, but you can also give me a call because my number's on there as well. So uh, check me out, sedimentcreative.com. You can see past work. You can see the podcast is up there. You can see the people we're working with. I, I am working with unbelievably talented people. I'm very lucky for that. Um, so yeah, please check us out, sedimentcreative.com. Let's call that a day on the sponsors. There's some more, but let's call that a day because I'm really excited about this guest. This is my friend Helen Hutner. Helen is actually a fellow St. Louisan um and she and i did like community theater back in the day and now we're you know we're just living in new york trying to figure it out Um, helen started a theater company um, and she has a show coming up right now honey dipped apocalypse girls also with some fellow saint louisans Um, and what i really appreciate about helen i think right now there's a lot of there's a lot of platforms through which people can get up and start yelling and i think Helen is being very meticulous about how she's using her platform and she's not, you know, I think because there's so many people who are yelling and shouting, a lot of people get tuned out quickly. Um, and I think Helen is acutely aware of that and she's really using, utilizing her platform to be meticulous in how she delivers her message and to make sure that it actually makes an impact. And I think, I mean, I'm, I'm super biased, but that's that's why I like theater is because it's such a powerful message giver and and... Um, there's a real energy to it that I, you know, I, my life is in film, obviously, now. But I, I just don't think film is able to deliver that same sort of energy, um, or at least in the same way. So um, we really had a good time. It was a, it was a lot of fun to catch up and, and talk about what's, you know, what's go- been going on and, and how she's, you know, navigating and, and where she's going from there. So uh, definitely check out her show, Honey Dipped Apocalypse Girls. Um, that's on Google it, you can you know Instagram, all that good stuff. And uh, her show's coming up mid-April. so without any further ado, please welcome Miss Helen Hutner.:
1: Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way.
0: This is really? going to be a, a different level. I like you for two reasons. I like yeah. you for a lot of reasons, but I figured <laughs> out you're the first person ever to sit on that side really? during this podcast, oh. which I thought was, I, I don't know what that means, but I thought it yeah. was really interesting because you're the first person to just like, totally. yeah, I'm, I'm going to pop here. It's
1: like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be I'm here. I'm going to walk
0: in. It, it's weird though. It's like, and you're, you know, you're in my apartment, you're in a new space and all yeah. that. It's interesting, but I always felt like people like to get on this side of things. Mm Because it's like they feel a little safer. It's like, I don't know.
1: Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's because I like to look outside because I haven't looked outside all
0: day. It's certainly a better view, you know, (laughs) gray buildings and all that.
1: Okay, perfect. Now that I've posted on all my social media platforms.
0: Thank God. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah, this will go live tonight. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So, well, since you guys are opening soon, I figured it's better to... I really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Of course. So, how did this start? I feel like... So here's what happened. I feel like I hadn't heard from you or of you since high school. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sure it was likewise. Yeah. And then through the terrifying magic of Google and all of that, you just start to see things around you that you're like thinking about. Yeah. And I was kind of in that realm of like, who's like creating around me? I need to start connecting, especially with like sediment and all that. Mm -hmm. I need to start connecting more with like creators around me and how can we help each other out? And then shout out to Spencer Sickman. Uh, I started seeing you in my feeds. I started seeing what a weird sentence, by the way. Yeah. Um, but I started seeing you in my feeds. I started seeing you in all of that, and then Spencer was like, "Oh, you got to talk to Helen, like yeah. immediately." Um, He's a gem. Yeah, Spencer. I know you're listening. <laughs> um, sorry, but that that happens fucking every podcast. Um, so yeah, how did this? What? How did this start? When did this kick off for you?
1: So, honey dipped has been about a two year process. So right now we're putting up. This play, Honey Dipped Apocalypse Girls, that's gonna hit the stage. Honey Dipped the week.
0: company or Honey Dipped the play? It was a two year process.
1: Or all both? of it's been okay. a two year <laughs> process.
0: all the above. All of it. All
1: of it. Um, so I had a really dear friend uh, that I knew from high school, and I was living abroad in Denmark for two years after graduation. I moved over there in 2014. Hmm. I was doing my master's over there, and she and I wrote each other letters in the mail. Because we had gone to summer camp together and it was something that we did and we just sort of kept it going in our adult life. Could you imagine we like, if someone like wrote
0: you a letter now that wasn't <laughs> like your grandmother?
1: People write me letters all the time. Do, is that real? Truly. No kidding. Because I'm very good at writing letters. I, so I will. Shitty, none of my friends have written me a letter. <laughs> correspondence. <laughs> I will be like, I'm going to write you a letter. So I actually have um, a handful of pen pals. So that's So that's really how this started. I had all of these letters, and after I moved to New York in 2016, I was in a long-term relationship in Denmark that didn't work out. I finished my program. I was in a huge period of transition. I moved back to New York. I was in my first-ever relationship with a woman. I finally was confronting a lot of issues I had been having for a long time with my sexuality. And after all this happened, I really sat back and I realized that I had all of this, everything that happened in my life, the past two years, documented in letters. Mm. And the same for my dear friend. She had recently moved back to St. Louis after being in L.A. for a long time. She opened up a secondhand bookstore and was just sort of living her... In St. Louis? Yep. Wow. In Old Town St. Charles.
0: Oh, that's pretty badass. Yeah. Man, you don't hear about the, the secondhand bookstore market too often. Truly
1: not. <laughs> and it's a pretty cool niche. Yeah. So we had these two super interesting life stories that we had documented in these letters. And she said to me one time over text, she was like, we should make a story out of this. Like we could write a story together. And that's how Honey Honeydip
0: started. From the letters. Yep. Okay. So what do the letters focus on?
1: Everything that we're going through during that time. But mostly it's... The coming
0: out. The Definitely. Yeah. It deals what with did... the
1: coming out. She falls in love with her now. Husband, mm-hmm. um, So that is a part of the story, and it's a person she never anticipated that she would be with. It's no longer really about her. That character has actually sort of changed a lot. Mm-hmm. But my character um, is very much about me and the real things I went through. I think we realized that a lot of our real-life experiences actually echoed all of these sentiments that we thought were really important about how okay it is to go through different changes, how okay it is. What's what's to... like a good
0: example of, of some of these changes?
1: So there's affairs that happen in the show. There's new relationships that form. There's old relationships that end. There's very, very interesting characters mm-hmm. that sort of come along the way and pull something out of the other characters. And even though maybe they're not meant to be together, it's okay that that person helped you along the way. And I really think that it's a manifesto for young people, especially women, about self-discovery.
0: Let me ask you. One thing I keep... um, hmm, How do I phrase this? It's like... When I sit down to write or... You know, you're working on a project for two years. Yeah. How are you keeping it interesting? How are you not... I mean, there's such a saturation, especially of content now. Like, my totally. fucking job is content development. Right. And the f- the first thing I always have to, like, deal with, the first yeah. question is, like, what ROI am I seeing? Right. Because there's so much content out there, you know? Sure. And so, you know, I have, like, my spiel mm-hmm. that I give. I, I had a, uh, breakfast with a friend Katie today. We talked about the same thing. And it's just, like... Excuse me. As you develop content, especially about the, um, you know, like uh, whatever you want to call it, queer community life, like like everyone's going through different, you know, experiences and and things. How are you keeping it fresh?
1: I think that I really think that the story itself never gets old because I think self discovery never gets old. Mm -hmm. It just takes different forms as you continue to come into yourself and figure out who you are i think the way that we keep it fresh is continuing to expand our creative community continuing to access different people specifically women my production company honey dip productions we don't exclusively employ women but we're very focused on employing as many women as we can for various creative jobs and i think as you expand your talent pool and expand your creative pool so simultaneously you expand all of the different perspectives and issues and things that become important to people. And that sort of keeps the story fresh and the content fresh because Honeydip resonates with everyone on it's an some honesty. level. honesty. Yeah. yeah. It's very raw. It's very real. It's very to the point. And it's all about people who are doing their best to be kind, but also be unapologetically themselves. And I think we do the same in our creative process.
0: It's difficult. It's difficult to be a human being. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's not a complaint. I mean, it's... You know, you went to visitation. I went to MICDS. We started the fucking game way ahead of everybody else. Like we're in a marathon, <laughs> we started at mile thirteen. You know what I mean? And like yeah. we're just like everyone's got their shit. Yeah. And we're so fucking lucky. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um Privilege is real. It's I mean, it's very real. It's very real. It's it's you know, I try it's so funny too. Like I saw, not to get too off on a tangent, but I saw these these kids from the young girls from MICDS being like, Yeah, yeah there's so much privilege. And I was like, You are fucking like look where you are you're I spending know. twenty thousand dollars a year to go to eighth grade kid <laughs> fucking like you want to talk about privilege? Yeah. like get yeah. the wake the fuck up you know right. what i mean it's like no it's real the other uh, i think it's really like the, there's an issue in my opinion where those kind of buzzwords get trendy totally. and and lose power i think a little right. bit um specifically i think i i work a lot out of this coffee house in in seaport and there's this kid who comes in. He's got the same sweater on every single time. Mm-hmm. And it says, got privilege on the sweater. Okay. And then he proceeds to pull out what I can only assume is his parents' credit card, buy lunch, da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> and it's like, there's a degree of like a virtue signaling. It's a good way for certain guys to get laid, certain girls to get laid.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, I, I, I it's a it's a weapon. It's a tool. Not totally. a weapon, but it's a tool. It's a
1: millennial
0: thing. It is. And yeah. that's it. and I think like in a lot of ways that takes the power away from it, you know. I mm-hmm. think that that there's because it's a real thing, like you just said. Right. It is real. Yeah. It is real. And that's not to say that, you know, it's a cancer that needs a prescription or uh, I don't I don't want to say like Hmm. I mean, it, it is a problem, and at the same time, like, there's only so much that can be done at any given moment. Totally. It's got to be a bunch of moments put together in order to, you know, bring everybody up.
1: Definitely. I mean, I think...
0: Perfect example this weekend. Yeah. You know?
1: I think, regarding all of that, I think what's super interesting about millennials is that we are really starting to reflect. Mm-hmm. Like, every generation has issues, and millennials are included, and... I think that nobody is perfect, for sure. But I also think that we, as a generation, are really starting to like think back about things and really trying to understand where we've come from and how that orients not only our socialization, but also our the choices that we make and the kind of lives that we choose to lead. And I think that we should totally be calling people out on mm. issues like that, on issues of privilege. But I also think that... Like for me personally and the way that I create, I think I always have, I, I vacillate between these two worlds of being like, I am a privileged white woman and I am writing and creating shows about predominantly white women for predominantly white women. And mm-hmm. where does that leave me? And my two responses are one, write what you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, that's honest to you.
1: I would hate to, you know. I would hate <sighs> to try to speak. For another woman, for whom I truly could not.
0: Just another human. Totally. You know, regardless, like, fuck totally. race, gender, whatever. It's yeah. like, another human has, like, I have experiences that you will never understand and likewise. Right. You know, and totally. I'm a straight white guy. Life's, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> I mean. Um. But I also think,
1: and we've encountered so many opportunities, I mean, especially in the production process and the casting process and all the various processes of putting up a show where you're confronted by your privilege and you're confronted by active opportunities as creators to address issues of mostly diversity, diversity of voice and diversity of talent and diversity of employment within the theater industry and we've done our best to really diversify our team mm. in ways in every way that we can.
0: Now when you say like, uh, and I do want to get back to the show, but I'm interested totally. in this conversation. But yeah, when you definitely. say diversify the team, is that an active attempt to diversify? Like,
1: Yes. Okay. I mean, I I went into my casting process wanting to hire actors of color.
0: Mm.
1: Not Not exclusively, <clears throat> but I knew that I was going to walk out of that casting room. And here's why. The reason why is because... With the responsibility of casting a show, you are given the opportunity to employ all kinds of different people, and I think that that's so important. I think that we, especially I think in New York, I think that we are bombarded at times with a certain look of life and a certain way that things are, and that is the antithesis of honey dipped and what it's supposed to be. And so I approached my casting process in the same way that I wanted to cast different kinds of women and it's not just to do with race it's also to do with their acting style and it's to do with their yeah
0: i think it's important like yeah if you're trying to find different experiences to bring to it
1: absolutely that's the thing absolutely. is like there's a
0: no reason why we get stale when the yeah. same kind of guys cast as hamlet all the time
1: and when it tells the same kind of story if we're going to continue as creators if we're going to continue to cast People of color in roles where they struggle. We're going to continue to say that narrative. Yeah. That, and that's a story that we've heard before. And I totally like for all you, for all you listening, like check my privilege, like call me out, like send me a sociological article about the way I'm doing things and how though. I can be better. No, totally. But I want to be. I want to. I, I, get you, I get you. I get you. I want you. to recognize that for sure. That I'm you know speaking based on my experience, but I also fully take the responsibility. In casting, that I had, and I'm super happy with my cast. They're phenomenal.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. Well, it's, you know, I think we're really. Human beings are not an old species, you know? And I think we are.
1: What a funny thought.
0: It is. We're really young. I love young. that idea. We're really young. If you watch, there's a great show on Netflix called Cosmos by oh, really? Neil deGrasse Tyson. Mm. Well, so it's a really old one by Carl Sagan that was redone. Right. Seth MacFarlane actually produced it. And then Neil deGrasse right. Tyson, who runs a planetarium, um, yeah. and yeah, does it. And obviously, he's a fucking genius. Um, but he shows that, like, if if you think of the universe, right, our Christian background is not going to like this. <laughs> but if you look at the universe as a 30-day calendar, Big right. Bang started, you know, first first of the month, yeah. and We are at the 30th right now. Human beings are the size of a period on the edge of the 30th day of that month. That's that's crazy. how old we are. Like we are fucking young. We are microscopic, yeah. right? <laughs> and like anything else, we're going through evolution. Right, right. now, we're evolving. I th- I personally think we're evolving to this technological thing where we're like we're right. going into a matrix, right? Mm-hmm. And I think race and all that. I think it's all going to become the sort of same thing. You yeah, know, we'll always need male male and female in order to continue the species. Just because right. that's how biology works, right? But I really think, like, especially race, I think it's going to be the first to go. Where it's like we're all going to just start looking the same.
1: Really, I really do. How I th- interesting! I think
0: we're like a hundred thousand years away from that, which is it sounds long because we live at a hundred years of a time, and that's right. that's not to say we shouldn't put in the work and things like that because everyone deserves like a, a great life, and I truly, truly think that every every generation's life has been getting better. Yeah. You know, obviously there are exceptions is to capitalism that
1: capitalism in crisis? Yes. Do
0: you think? <laughs> no, I don't know. Another that's year. another,
1: that's another conversation. That's like a philosophical, like, I mean, but,
0: yeah, you know, yeah. but what you
1: say that's interesting though is, yeah, I, I wonder about the evolution and the like, sort of race becoming extraneous i can't help but think of that star trek episode mm-hmm. where like they have see so yeah, i think of South park and you think of star trek know, that's the right? they like, <laughs> you're
0: smart and i'm a gorilla of no. oh
1: yeah. i was raised by two nerds love you mom and dad um but where they're half they're half black and half white like mm. half their oh, body literally is literally split literally split down oh, the middle they're half black and half white but they're prejudiced against each other over which side of their face is black and which side is white like the, it reminds it me. On the right side. It
0: reminds me of this South Park where everyone becomes atheist oh,
1: because really? they think
0: like, oh, let's let's eliminate religion, yeah, and then there'll be no more war. But then the atheists fight each other over what they should be called. <laughs> but it, it makes me think if you read the book Tribe by Sebastian Younger, You were
1: talking about this. Yeah. yeah, you recommended it. to me. Oh
0: fuck, I forgot about that. Yeah. In Tribe, he talks about how human beings like naturally gravitate towards war. Yeah, and I there's think that's a real. yeah. I mean, there, there's a real necessity for it. this book makes an argument for it and Sebastian Younger so everyone listening is like well I don't believe that this guy's been in more war zones than I think most people alive
1: well I mean I studied anthropology (laughs) in college and like the one thing they tell you about people is when two different kinds of Two different groups of people encounter each other. There's always war, and there's always bastards. We're
0: two different tribes of chimps. <laughs> That's yeah, how it works. All... Yeah, there's always both. 23 <laughs> me ran into a bunch of trouble because a bunch of white people started finding out they had, like, Nigerian blood and things like that. I mean, we're but choose not to. regardless, um, what Tribe talked about, which is really interesting to me, is, like, people are happier, generally, in wartime. They laugh more. They feel a bond. Like, I mean, think about right That's after so 9-11. How we were in fourth grade. I was fourth in grade. fourth grade, yeah. right. Shout out to Mr. Hagen, by the way. Um, I didn't like
1: Miss McCormick.
0: <laughs> where'd you go? Where you? where you go? To elementary, Biz. Kirkwood Schools. Kirkwood. Yeah, but, uh, I was.
1: I wasn't at Biz till
0: high school. Got you. Yeah, I went to Ledoux Public for. L-E-O. Yeah.
1: All the St. Louis people are loving this, by the way. No, St. Louis like, people love nothing more out. than the, to Everyone talk about where you went to high school. Everyone else around.
0: Everyone's like, I don't fucking care. Everyone's like, Where's um, that? Nowhere. That's where. But remember, like nine eleven, there was like sort of a like a looking out. Yeah, even at even at the fourth grade level. Yeah, so I imagine you know, but it was like there was like a real presence to everyone, and everyone yeah. was like, "You're okay." Well, you don't know, you think?
1: Good. Don't you feel that in a sense though, amongst our fellow millennials today? Because though we're not in a wartime, we're we're in a super interesting time. We're in. A, there's no doubt about that. And I feel, like, I feel the community. And maybe a part of it is that we live in New York and everybody is pretty much a fire-breathing liberal and, yeah. you know, unites under the um, banner of certain issues. But d- I feel what, the What community. age range
0: are you saying millennials are? Because I, mean, I, I honestly don't know still.
1: Yeah. Um, isn't it, I'm pretty sure that it's people born, like, from 1990 to into the 2000s.
0: Okay. So it's I'm like, 92. Yeah, same. Okay. So... Um, yeah I think there is more of a divide though I think there are it is New York everyone's a fire breathing liberal unless they're not you <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying mm-hmm. <clears throat> and i I mean I was back home over Christmas and everyone was like rah, rah, rah Trump you know um so i I don't know I think it's like one thing that annoys me specifically is seeing yeah. uh like professors get fired or Lose their tenure and stuff over teaching uh, the difference between genders and things like That's that.
1: That's so real. I mean, and if you look at like the protests that happened at Reed College against the Humanities 101 mm-hmm, course, mm-hmm. and you read about, um, I mean, and I think that there is, like, and I'm speaking as a self described fire breathing liberal, I definitely think that there is a problem, particu- particularly with the left, where we have this idea that revolution has to take a certain recipe. And it's like, if you're not against this, then what are you for? That's
0: what it and is. And it has It's this... you either believe this... Right. Or you're, or you're... Like, it's a little bit hypocritical. But... Well,
1: and I would I would say this a lot about my experience living abroad in Denmark, um, which is when, it's where Honey Dipped begins, but... Scandinavians, Northern Europeans, um, in particular, have have a little bit of an issue. They struggle with migration and issues of diversity. And really, it can be like described in this paradigm. Since they're all Vikings. Yeah, exactly. They're no all like wanted to be all up there, except for crazy
0: yeah. white people. <laughs> but
1: basically, they're like you know, if A is tolerant of B, and B is intolerant of C, then what is A's relationship to C? So like, if I, as you know, a woman, am tolerant of you, a employee of an organization who refused to get, refuses to give birth control to women, then am I by proxy intolerant to women themselves, so therefore I can't be tolerant to you on the basis of tolerance? Yeah. That's like the problem with the left. That it's, it's a great
0: one. The conundrum yeah. I always use too is there is a bakery who refused to make a cake for a gay wedding. Right. On the grounds of, well, it's against our religion. Right. So now... Uh, my fire-breathing liberal friends had a conundrum. Where it was like, well, do you believe that everyone can practice their religion, even if it means discrimination against another group? It's you know, hard. It's, that, well,
1: tolerance it, is hard. Adversity is difficult. And I
0: think there's such a desire to make it black and white. It's just mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Like, bottom line, it's just not. You know, yeah, like I, I, I fully believe that there are people who are very confused about how they identify as a gender. Yeah. But to say that there's no biological foundation for gender is—I hear you. It's—it's it's like not. It doesn't I mean, make any sense to and me. And this
1: came out, this came out in the Me Too movement and a lot mm. of a lot of things happening right now like are there differences between men and women? Obviously, yes. And I I choose to like actively live my lifestyle by as opposed to really picking apart the differences between men and women is to really just highlight mm. what I think women do in a really unique way and that's how I run my company and that's that. how I created this show because I think that the female voice is important. I think if we just give it the platform that I believe it deserves, and I believe has just been negated over time out of not malice but tradition. Yeah. And you know, I think that's
0: really important. It's 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 a shift from negativity to positivity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, one thing I became acutely aware of is how much I complain. Yeah. Even not thinking I'm complaining. Right. Just like, ugh, today I'm so tired. Yeah. Like even that, now you're like shifting your energy level, right? Yeah. And I think um, to your point, it's like giving a platform and speaking on it. It's not, excuse me, fuck this. Right. It's rah, rah, rah this. Right. You know what I mean? Totally. And that to me is such an important shift because if we're trying to throw negativity, if we're trying to like throw a wet blanket on something, right? all your energy is going to tossing the blanket out. Totally. Instead of lifting up. Absolutely. You know, whatever it is. And I think... I talk a lot with my hands. It's beautiful. All over the Nobody place. can see it because they can yeah. just
1: hear you, but it is truly lovely. There are a couple say. videos
0: of this podcast, and my hands are like all over the place. My <laughs> friends are like, "What the f-? like? Stop! Like, stop moving!"
1: No, I love that though, and I think that, um, I, yeah, I think that there's a lot of truth to that. I think that if we, instead of trying to, create a platform that suppresses negative thought, if mm-hmm. instead we create a platform towards. A positive thought, whatever that is, whatever that is important to you, whatever message that is, I think that's just a totally different way to approach it.
0: Totally. Now, before we get back to the show, I have to ask you your thoughts on this past weekend with the marches and all that.
1: Oh, March for Our Lives. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, we just because it was so
0: big, we can't ignore it.
1: No, we can't ignore it. It was it was amazing.
0: It was cool. It was really cool to see. I was such a bitch in high school. Like I couldn't do. I was like, (laughs) I'm tired. I think these kids are marching for their rights. I love it.
1: They're, I just can't think of anything in high school that I was as passionate about as the passion that they have displayed I was like, towards this that issue. That passion
0: like Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> what And what a man you were at that Still time. Still like. <laughs> but um, no, I'm super, I just couldn't be more um, inspired mm. by the young people marching. I think that. There's so many conversations that happen with it. I mean, you have to understand, I approach all of this having been um, an anthropology, sociology, double major in college. Uh,
0: that's what I'm curious as to your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I mean, because you I have double the,
0: major sociology as well.
1: You have the converse argument where you have people saying, you know, like, oh, there are young people of co- color who deal with this kind of violence in their lives every single day, but now that a bunch of white kids are dying, it's become a national movement. Mm-hmm. And I think this goes back to what we were saying about, you know, like issues of tolerance, I can't help but think that, you know, it's a slow process, social Mm -hmm. change doesn't happen overnight, and I believe a lot in our generation that we're able to look back and check our privilege and reflect and move forward, but ultimately, ultimately, How much good is coming from this movement? so much good. That's my thing. Is it's like
0: I agree with you that it's like yeah, it's fucked up. But now the issues there, like at least there's a march happening. Totally, and and I agree, it's a fucked up history on it.
1: And that I mean, and that is privilege. That is white privilege living its life. Yeah, for sure. But it's also I think shows that the tides are changing, Mm -hmm. and I'm just I'm really hopeful that other issues are going to be addressed. I mean, personally, it's not a difficult issue for me. I don't own a gun. I've never owned a gun. I don't fire a gun. Like, I don't know. I just feel like I, I'm outdoorsy. Like I grew up, you know, in like Missouri, like farm country, just like everybody else. But that we grew up around, I was gonna but, say, not, not everybody. Not everybody that we grew it's up like around. everyone else in the world. Everyone else in the world grew up on a farm. No. Um. So you know, like I have family members who you know like have a musket so that they can you know like shoot a shoot wolf a duck if or it something. like approaches yeah. there. You know, hound dog, but you know, for me, it's a no-brainer to ban semi-automatic well, weapons. Yeah, I mean, so we're talking about two different types
0: of weapons.
1: I mean, a thousand percent. We're
0: also talking about the issue I or the 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 comment I can't stand is like the Second Amendment argument because you're talking yeah. about a group of men who said, "Okay, this will do for now," right? Right. This will be yeah. good for now.
1: And also, like, we can't we can't talk about the law in that rigid way. One,
0: it's written on poster. a piece of paper. Yeah. from a bunch of dudes who were writing with feathers.
1: <laughs> like, That's let's so real. Like, come on. Like. I loved a sign. There was one sign I loved at the march that said, "The Second Amendment was written when I was three fifths of a person, and it was a mixed race young man." That's amazing. Holding that, and I was like, "That's so real." Like, the times have changed.
0: Yeah, I think I mean, too. Like, people
1: are just interpreting it to their benefit. People now, are just like,
0: "Yeah, I want sure. my gun." Well, the other Second thing amendment. too is we have a lot of politicians who have the NRA so fucking. It's far so real. Of them, the
1: NRA is, and and people just don't think about that like i don't know like i just people like, are crazy if like tell me t- tweet where she was like these kids are, like, marching for, like, no reason. At least march for something. It's like, girlfriend, it's straight up called up March for Our Lives. Like, they are marching <laughs> for their lives. Like, now I'm starting to worry that you can't read. Like, I never thought you were smart, well, but I thought you were literate. Because
0: initially I thought, like, okay, like, these politicians, like, they must be in quite a conundrum here. Because they must, mm-hmm. like, any logical person knows this is an issue, but they also yeah. want to remain in their job. And unfortunately, they put themselves in this position. The NRA is like the mafia.
1: I think... I think our political system is going to change. I mean, as much as I dislike Trump, I think that it was a statement that there are issues, and clearly, a lot of Americans believe there are issues with our political system. I
0: think people will look back. I think the Trump presidency will prove to have been actually a very positive thing overall because it will have shown people. I think will have shown people like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I
1: mean it's it's illuminating issues. I'll say that That's for sure. And I am for and it's the showing optimist, the power that people actually. But I'm have. not going to say anything positive about that human cheeto. <laughs>
0: so. <laughs> it's so. I mean, it's it's look. There's no denying he's an idiot. He's an artist. Like like yeah. he's a bad president. Let's. If you disagree, I'm sorry. You
1: disagree, you're wrong. <laughs>
0: I I think here's the way politics, in my opinion, has always gone is is sort of a zigzag. Mm-hmm. Right, and we're we're just on a pretty we're on a zag right now. Yeah. Right. I mean, like people forget, Obama, very presidential person, not yeah. a perfect president. Far from. Same with every other president before him. Everyone's had issues before. So. I mean, it's it's just like <laughs> every president's had issues because sure. it's yeah. it's an impossible job. You're one person. You're intended to lead an entire country, mm-hmm. and and the free world, and make decisions. Like, there's no I. You truly have to be insane to want that job. I think. I think yeah. anyone that says I want to be president should not allowed to be president. Yeah. You know, George Washington perfect example said I don't want that job, and they're yeah. like, well, too bad. You you led the revolution. Yeah. <laughs> right. So he, he got it. You know. Yeah. But I think um, in terms of the presidency, I think why Trump is 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 positive, or at least mm-hmm. I try to look at it in that light, is because. In 16 years, people are gonna go. Man, that was when we realized, like, okay, we really gotta like, like we I mean, we were operating a little bit on autopilot. Totally. You know? I
1: think I think it's encouraged a lot of art. I mean, personally, I was at the time of the Trump election. I was working at the Metropolitan Opera, which suffered a little bit from the National Endowment for the Arts losing that funding, mm-hmm. and I think that there was something really, really important and special to me that I'll always remember about 2016 yeah. end of the year. Where I couldn't believe I couldn't believe that Trump was elected when he got elected. I was I remember I, I woke up, up I was like I,
0: my dad covered the election. He like yeah. texted me. It was like he won I was like, no I know. Kidding.
1: And I was just so happy to be surrounded by art every single day. And mm-hmm. I think after that, and I think <laughs> that it's encouraged a lot of people
0: to See, I don't think anything that's happening now marches, anything like that. I don't think it would be happening if Hillary were president. Because I think everyone would be I like, she's got it. She's got it. But now what it's done is now people think like, no, we have to take control because I mean, they're not doing anything.
1: Historically, like this is what happens. Yeah. We ebb and flow between moments of conservative backlash an, and an moments an of what I would argue is progressivity. Mm-hmm. Like people really making change. So it'll be super interesting. I mean and i think a lot of historians would agree that this is historically precedented mm-hmm. the notion of you know what i would say is moving backward to move forward but i don't think that well i mean everybody if, feels if you, you look but, at
0: if you look at what those historians are saying yeah. they're like some of the most calm people because it was almost expected and they they see what's yeah. coming next You know what I'm saying? It's not. Yeah, that's
1: true, and I think that's very hopeful. So I would love to jump on that bandwagon. I mean, the
0: Persian Empire had a guy who said a warlock gave him the his leadership, and he just was killing people. Like that's what they were dealing with was well, a warlock said that I should be ruling. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so listen to me. Like, like 2018 is still the best time to be alive. Totally. Especially as an American citizen. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it is like bottom line. We're you know we're not. I was just like I was telling you. I was just in Thailand. You're not allowed to touch a member of the royal family in Thailand and he's not he doesn't even live in thailand he's it's like some party boy who lives yeah. in berlin right and wears like leather strap and it's like okay like be yeah. it, like, i'm sorry you were born in this role but then you look at like you know prince william was the future king of england like always put together mm-hmm. always killing it you know is he? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, I, I have like a weird obsession with the Royal Family. I'm like one of those.
1: That's so beautiful. I'm so glad you can bring that. The situation.
0: Crown? Oh my God. How do you not <laughs> watch you. that show all that's the a, time? That's a great one. Um, but let's get back to your show. So oh, I'd love that. you have these letters. Yes. How do you... The, the company hadn't started yet.
1: No. So Honey Dip, the first... We did a stage reading. So the first production happened in May of 2017.
0: Okay. It was... Was that just you putting shit together and... Yeah.
1: So basically, I had had compiled all of the letters and I was sort of like putting them together to have segues into more of a show because as you know, I've been performing since I was five. Mm -hmm. I grew up in St. Louis doing theater my whole life.
0: People sleep on St. Louis theater. Yeah. And they shouldn't.
1: It's... St. Louis has what? I feel like they have how many professional theaters? I mean, at least like 20? When I moved here, 20? I was actually
0: surprised at how renowned the Muni was.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, did, is,
0: I didn't realize that. Because yeah. like you grow up and you hear about it, obviously. Totally. But I was like, well, we live right next to it. Of course you hear oh, it exactly. about it. Oh, exactly. You know? Yeah. We're talking about toasted ravioli. There. No one else fucking knows. I know, right? Yeah.
1: Certain things get publicized. The Muni's great. Um, St. Louis has a lot of professional theater. So I was very fortunate. We were very fortunate to grow up surrounded by all of that. I think that... St. Louis does have a high caliber of theater. I mean, and I'll say that, having been fortunate enough to perform um, elsewhere and all through college and perform. I mean, we
0: performed with now Broadway stars. Oh, totally. Yeah, Yeah.
1: we were we were really fortunate with that performing. I've performed a couple times at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Did you in London? Yeah, we went.
0: Stro and with Visitation
1: was my first time. No kidding. And then I went again. What show? Yeah, we did. um, I remember
0: he uh, he invited me, and I couldn't afford it.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. It was, yeah, that was a great show. Um, it was called A Piece of My Heart Female Nurses During the Vietnam War. Whoa. And then I did all sorts of other things. Um, I, pre- I performed in Copenhagen while I was living there. And so, anyways, theater's always sort of been in my blood. I mm-hmm. detoured a little bit, or not detoured, but detoured, um, and was focusing on anthropology and sociology. I did my master's. How, how did that happen? So, I found it in college. I fell in love with it. I got my master's in cultural did you fall anthropology. fell in
0: love with it, or was it a f- Like a rejection of theater.
1: Oh, definitely not. Um, I performed all through college. Did you? Um, I actually performed in a super cool show my senior year that was all about a shooting at an elementary school, which the 20-year anniversary of which was yesterday. What school? Jonesboro in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Mm -hmm. It was an elementary school. That was a really cool show that was written by um, one of the survivors of the shooting. She is an actress named Mary Hollis in Bowdoin, and she was on...
0: Um, she's now what twenty? Yeah,
1: she'd like five, I guess. Older, I think. I think she's in her thirties now. Um, and that was that was a super cool experience. But that is such a prime example of how theater and art can speak to what's happening at this time mm-hmm. in our lives. And that's really where Dip was born. So we had this stage reading in May. I had all these really cool letters. I approached one of my colleagues at the time, who I knew was a singer songwriter. Named Molly And I was like, would you like to write music for this show that I'm doing? And she was like, yeah, that sounds cool. Send me the script. I sent her the script and she was like, I'm so in on this project. She joined and um, Megan Faddis, who you know, mm-hmm. uh, one of our St. Louis Shout gals. Out to Megan Fattis, Shout out to Megan Faddis. Shout out to Megan Faddis. Played she... my
0: girlfriend in one play. What a beautiful thing. I'm t- like,
1: And now she plays me in a play. Does she really? Yeah. So she plays How my character. How lucky are
0: we as people? To know Megan, Fattis. shout out to Megan. So lucky, and goes. Uh, she teaches class at current. She does. Yeah, go go row with go Megan. Like, get all in of shape you with Megan and current fitness. Yeah,
1: she's a great instructor. I went to a class. I live to tell the tale. So Megan had recently moved to New York. I had lunch with her. I was like, Yeah, I'm doing this really cool stage reading. She and she was like, Do you have you know Do you need any help or anything? And I was like, Oh my gosh, I would love for you to be a part of it. So she has had the lead role ever since. Since then, so we did the stage reading. Mm. Really successful. We had a lot of really great feedback. It was a lot of letters. It needed to be workshopped a lot.
0: That was my question because yeah. it's like obviously you didn't write the letters to be like, no. this is going to be a play. No, not at all. Did you ever catch yourself yeah. doing that though? <laughs> Never. Never. <laughs> like, oh, I'm such <laughs> when an asshole. I was,
1: <sighs> no, when I was writing Honey Dip, truly, well, when I was writing the letters mm-hmm. back in the day, I, I never thought that they were gonna go anywhere. And oh that's God, what's so, so great about it. That's it's, what's so great. It's so like a thousand percent <laughs> what I was feeling and what I was going through and that. the thoughts that I was saying to one of my best friends. And so basically, Honey Dipped Round Two, which is now coming up in April of 2018 a year after the stage reading is completely workshopped and dismembered and rebuilt with a lot of the original music, more songs have been added, but what it's really become now is this beautiful narrative amongst women, and we have super cool modern dance choreography that Megan has choreographed, Molly has written all this indie guitar style music, and the beautiful thing that's happened is that it's now morphed to encompass so many other stories. Like Molly has been with us since day one writing music, and now one of the characters is based on her. Mm. So we've really encapsulated her voice.
0: What's her voice when you say based on her? Like I obviously. It's Molly's a human. voice,
1: yeah. Molly's character in the show, who's called Lara, really what she realizes is that Um, she goes through a relationship that doesn't work out. And it's a very interesting relationship that really expands her mind in a lot of ways and touches on issues of polyamory and things that Molly herself had not experienced before. (laughs) And she she really loved this person. And then it didn't work out. And she had to go through this phase of realizing that she can still be this awakened, new, different person. Yeah. Even if she's rejected by the person that drew that out of her so just because you discovered this mm. treasure doesn't mean that it's not mine because it's me you know after they like leave. going
0: through that a little bit
1: I think a lot of people are that and well, that's well what I think we want. that's like
0: the hard thing too is is when you start talking about
1: we want honey dip to speak to you
0: that's a thing but yeah. you know it's it's when it focuses on very real people yeah, there's a degree of like well, I'm not gonna relate to this.
1: I mean, you know. And I don't think that's true at all. I think that everybody in the audience, I mean, this is like a hard stance, but I'm going to take it, Jamie. Do I it. think everyone in the audience is going to relate to one of the characters Too in Too hard of a stance. The, Kidding.
0: <laughs>
1: the men, the women, they're all so real. Yeah. One of those people is going to speak to you. And I said to Molly even the other night, she was like, I can't remember what we were talking about, but she was like, what has been the most fun part for you about writing about me? And I was, and now Molly is one of my best friends. She's my roommate. And I was like, Molly, it's been the fact that I watched you go through this super transformative time and now I get to write that character as the heroine that I experienced, as the woman who took back her life into her own hands. Like that, that's the person that I know. That's the person that I watched go through all of this. So it gets to have that really cool take on it when you get to create something in the form of a play that not only is super collaborative in that it cashes in on the immense talent that we have in this city from acting to dancing to writing to producing to casting, which we have a killer team of five kick-ass ladies who did all of this for *Honey Dipped Apocalypse Mm -hmm. Girls. But more so than that is that you get to listen to their voices and how that shapes the work that you're writing has been such an amazing experience for me a challenge a huge challenge did you
0: I was gonna say did you find because you know these people like I need to paint them in the most positive light possible
1: and I think I paint all of the characters myself included in not the most positive light in the most real light
0: Mm, how did you do that
1: so the play handles a relationship that I was in a relationship with a woman which was very difficult one of the more difficult relation, well, the most difficult relationship I've been in
0: because it was your first relationship with a woman. Or, no, or was it? it?
1: It was okay. Well, yeah, it was. My, I had I had dated women before when I was younger, but this this was definitely my first real relationship with a woman. Okay,
0: so was that the or was it no. just like a difficult relationship? Like she was a difficult person.
1: I think she was definitely a difficult. <laughs>
0: <person>. <laughs> we've been <But> there. <laughs> we've all been there.
1: I think. I think more to the point. Um, and what I tried, and the way that I tried to display my character, which she's fully aware of this piece, by the way, because I do think that there is something yeah, fundamentally wrong about um, writing about somebody's life without them, them knowing, although don't we all do that as artists? But that's another yeah, conversation.
0: Even if you're not trying to. Right. You know. So,
1: but that, what's really important about that, I think, and what I've tried to display in Honey Dipped and Write with Integrity is that we exacerbated each other's demons in a way that. Despite the fact that we loved each other deeply, and I believe that that love was very, very real. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't right, and it didn't sometimes work sometimes
0: there's buttons and you just push them
1: totally. You and know? so, and I am an imperfect person, and the character that I have written that's based upon myself is an imperfect character. And I think that you really see that. I think that that's hard, but I also think that it would be. Such a disservice to write a piece that wasn't real mm. to what happened and wasn't real.
0: You would hate it.
1: I would hate it. That's Even the if thing, I was like, I'm like, perfect and pretty and frolicking through this field. That's
0: what I'm saying. You know. Yeah, yeah it's always like uh, you have seen the movie Antoine Fisher? Mm-mm. Great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about this guy who like, and he just comes out. And he's looking like he went through a lot of hard shit, but like, yeah. guess who's the hero? <laughs> you know? And it's like there's so many times in our lives where we just are the villain.
1: I think. The so women in Honey Dipped are heroes for each other and that is the greatest thing about it. Mm. Yeah.
0: So they interconnect. It's not they like do. A, okay, cool. All
1: of the stories do interconnect with each other and we have Is that real? Mm-hmm. Or
0: is that the narrative aspect of it?
1: It's real. I mean, there are some obviously embellished parts of the show just for the sake of theater and what we do and making things work and be feasible. Um so I mean
0: when you cast Megan Faddis as yourself. I'm kidding. LOL. (laughs) Yeah.
1: She's going to love that, by the way. Um, So there are some scenes that are fictitious and the Mm. fact that they didn't really happen, but all of the interactions between those characters are, I mean, totally possible with everything that they were going through and definitely serve a purpose to keep the story going and are not unreal Mm -hmm. um, in that way. But yeah, and we have two male characters that are played by the same actor, Alex Bracken, another St. Louis. Shout out to Alex. Shout out to Alex Bracken. Super excited to have him on board. And that's also a really interesting thing. We made the decision to have one male actor play two characters. One, because um, they are smaller, both of those roles. And two, because it was really a statement about how important the narratives are of uh, the four female characters, I was hoping
0: it was like because all men are the same, because
1: and- <laughs> they're all exactly the same, and they're all Alex. Also, Prattin. you
0: don't want to sleep on Kraken. No. I mean, Kraken's one of the most talented guys.
1: Absolutely, you know, I, yeah. he
0: and I were both up for best uh, actor in St. Louis, and he okay. naturally won because he's the man. But yeah, um, yeah, I mean, he and I got to work together a lot as kids, mm-hmm. which was I say kids. We're 26 now. We're we still, were, were, yeah. Still young. We've
1: been doing this for so long. Yeah. But I do think that there's such a difference, and I've been really accosted by this in such an amazing but also challenging way, in really deciding to put up my own show in this city to that's, open up my own production company. Yeah.
0: How much? If you don't mind, like, how much does this cost? Let's. How many nights are you doing?
1: We have a four performance run.
0: Four performance, <laughs> yeah. And that's costing you.
1: Um, like three thousand dollars in Brooklyn. No, in the
0: city. Yeah. Okay. So Manhattan for you.
1: For Manhattan.
0: You Non-New Yorkers. Um, it's a different ballgame. It's have a totally to be, different Because here's the thing about St. Louis or even fucking Chicago. Yeah. Which is, I, I think Chicago is a better theater town than New York right now. Um,
1: There's a lot of people that would agree with you on that. And I see it, the argument.
0: It's what New York used to be. Sure. La Mama could not start in New York now. Mm-hmm. There are 10 La Mamas in yeah. Chicago. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: no, New York is just the sheer cost of living is pushing artists out, and it makes sense.
0: And it's still known. It's like L. A. You know, yeah. film is not in L. A. anymore, but the it is at the same time. Right. Um, what There's is so much what, here. what is you know not to be all like because the podcast is called the Why and da da da. da but what is the Why? You're giving you you have four chances to make an impact. Yes. You're spending roughly a grand a night. Yeah. So you must really believe in your message here.
1: Absolutely. What
0: is your message?
1: Our message is that the millennial female voice is here, that it's not going anywhere. What is that That we have something important to say. I think that it's really the biggest thing is the recognition of transformation and discovery, and it's something that we are taking back as we continue to become more full in our decision as people to assert who we are and what we are and who we stand for. And I think a huge accomplishment of women and femininity is the acceptance of all the different kinds of women and Mm -hmm. all the different kinds of femininity and all the different ways that we choose to be female and choose to live our lives. And that if you do that with kindness and integrity, that we are behind you, that you have a community.
0: Now, how do you go about, I mean, you're speaking about, I dare say, billions of voices. Yeah. Yeah. You know, how do you go about the unification of that, especially when you have four female characters?
1: I think that we as women decide that this began in the way that a lot, many wonderful ideas begin, which is one woman believing in another woman and saying, I am going to help be the platform through which your voice is heard. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to. I would never try to speak for all women, but I'm happy to speak as a woman to say, that's I think what we do is. this. It's we do this. We provide opportunity for each other. Yeah. That's what my company does. That's what my play does. Mm-hmm. That's what I strive to do as an artist, as a creator, as a director. And this is what's so important because I think that when we create a space and women are particularly good at this, and I'm gonna assert that because I think that it's true. Women are particularly I'm bad at good everything, so <laughs> 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 um, at just, I think, just making space for each other. Yeah. That in order to be who you are, you don't have to negate who somebody else is.
0: I think that only stems from oppression, too.
1: I mean, definitely. And yeah. I'm sure there's other. I shouldn't of say people. only, that's that's right. a bit tricky. But in one but, way. But, yeah. And I think other people would agree with that as well. Yeah. But, I think that that's something, you know, that women, women and girls do especially well is to create space for each other, to blossom,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and to sort of trial and error is okay, I and transformation is okay, and to, that's, that's what the play is about.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to, because uh, I've never been a woman. I've never had, you know, I've, I've always been a man, and it's something that my friends and I have actively started to do. Right. is say like how are you feeling? Yeah. You know, are you good? Yeah. Like just like what's up? And it's it's the power of that. Because yes, like while you say women are better at it, there're still so many women who just don't feel heard and don't, of course. Ha- don't have a voice. Of course. Because they're people and people yeah. don't have voices, you totally. know? And I think that's where, you know, we talked about earlier the you said fire-breathing liberals who are like shouting, but it's like, that's where that comes from. Right. It's like, You're fucking right. hear me, please, just listen, you know? And then it's like, let's say the let's say the thing that gets me attention. Right. Because I want to be heard. Give me, like, let me build my platform, and then I'll start talking. Yeah. And I think the reason, like, why podcasts, the reason why content, like Vimeo, YouTube, all this shit is Instagram. First thing yeah. you did when you sat down, I was like, all right, I got to get this, got to get this, it's all over, you know, it's like, we have so many platforms now.
1: I think it manifests itself in so many different ways. Um, what you're saying really resonates with different parts of the show. I mean why I the show starts with my character being in Denmark and really feeling unnoticed and mm-hmm. feeling unheard. And Now, was that
0: a self, sorry I' interrupt. No, but was that a self lack of listening?
1: Oh, so possibly. Yeah. You know, I was I was a growing up and like what do you know then? Like I
0: find that when I'm not feeling heard, it's because I'm not listening to myself.
1: I think I wasn't listening to myself. I think I was trying very very Clearly hard I mean, to like... fit myself into <laughs> you know? a life that wasn't meant for me, but I think I wrote a like I wrote a really interesting poem about it at one point thinking about my time back in Denmark where I said um like, why can't you ostracize me the way your people ostracize anything strange because I'm beautifully strange and at least then I'll know I'm noticed.
0: Mm. Yeah, like, there's almost the like, you're not even hated. Right. Yeah.
1: So I think that...
0: Euripides has a great quote about that. Oh, yeah. Where he wrote Trojan Women. Mm-hmm. Great play. Shout out to Nieme Kamara, by the way. Uh, she's in Color Purple out here. Mm. Um, but it's it's We love a lady playwright, don't we, Jamie? Is, I, yeah, of course we do. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> But Euripides wrote this play based for a Greek audience about how the Greeks were terrible people and he got ostracized from Athens and he said, At least my work made an impact. And yeah. And it's like, Whoa shit, yeah. man. Like totally. I, a a quote my buddy Logan loves is like, Do you love the work or do you love yourself in the work? Right. And I think like a journey for me, especially this last year, is learning to love the work over myself in the work. Right. You know, because then then you're making a statement. Yeah. Now you're choosing work not on how many lives do I have and who am I playing? Right. Now it's what are we saying with this?
1: I mean, that's so real. And I think there's always, like, a technical side to it when you're producing a play. And especially as, you know, I do, I do have a producer, so I'm not producing it, but rather creating. Um, and you want, you want a balanced production where you're like, I want the characters to feel balanced, that they all have different parts. And that's something that's super interesting with creating, trying to find that, strike that chord of... Creating something that's polished, but mm-hmm. also staying true to yourself and your message, which is nothing but messy, yeah. messy but so pure. Mm. That's what it is, and so that's that's really cool. And you end up having to make executive decisions that shape your creation and but it's you scary
0: just, a little bit. Oh, totally. Yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We've had we've had a lot of major changes, and I mean, being with a show for two years, that's not that's nothing crazy. I mean, no. shows will be in production and changing and off-Broadway before they go on Broadway for, you know, nine, ten more years before they make it to Broadway. Yeah. And, you know, so two years is not that long, but thinking about how much Honey Dipped Apocalypse Girls has changed in the past, mostly a year, Mm -hmm. um, is just exponential. Has
0: the message changed or have you gotten better at telling the message?
1: Definitely. We have honed in on our voice Mm -hmm. and the best way to articulate ourselves for sure.
0: Good for you though. That's that's it's really hard. it is because you're yeah. so attached to it, and then other oh, you have to kill your people. darlings.
1: You have to kill you, your darlings. I've everyone ridden...
0: says it, and no one does it. Though. No, that's I, the that's the catchphrse too. I'm brutal. People like, yeah, so I'm like, you got to like, fucking slash it. Yeah, you know what I mean.
1: And we're I mean we're down to a one hour show. Um,
0: that's. In, Actually, very impressive. Yeah, I'm. Our hour hour fifteen. Okay, less impressed because we haven't
1: uh, we haven't run it yet with all the music and dance stuff, so it might be a little longer than an hour. But exactly, but it's still like it's it's short and sweet. It's it's short and sweet and to the point and full of incredibly talented people, and they will reach in and tug at your heartstrings with what they have to say.
0: I think it's so important to, you know, like I said, it's it's you're spending a thousand dollars a night for four nights you know and, and mm-hmm. you bet what you what you're saying a part of that is
1: because I pay my people and I think <laughs> that that's very very important that's important too i mean I think,
0: one of my things to the ucb by the way like if they don't pay their comedians mm-hmm. and they're making money off their comedians so it's totally. like that to me is like fucked up kind yeah, of yeah
1: definitely you know, that was a huge <coughs> when i was at second of our city fundraising so efforts is that we wanted to we wanted to offer all of the people a part of the project we wanted to pay them i think it's really really important i think in some ways, there's nothing more millennial than being hesitant about asking for pay for work that you did. Yeah. <laughs> I think we tiptoe around it all the time.
0: It's but, it's awkward, too. Because, yeah. uh, I mean, a lot of my job where I am right now, um, producing lower budget, $50,000 pilots, things like that, which, isn't that funny? That's lower budget. Oh,
1: my gosh, But it's yeah. like,
0: I, I have to Our ask budget so many people. You think about film budgets. Well, it's just you're asking people to take less than they know they're worth. And so yes. what you have to do is sell the passion of it. Right. This is why this is going to be amazing for you. You know? And that's, you know, I go back to love the work, not yourself in the work. Totally. You know? Because it's like, wh- what you're going to be saying is, hey. Yeah. I need you to agree to do this. Right. Because this is so important to say. It this is, is really important to say. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. We have a lot of important things to say. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's been such a journey. Figuring out the best way to do that. And especially when you have different people that do different things. I mean, we're, um, Molly, our music director, is a trained opera singer. Mm -hmm. So, sort of getting her into this theater, musical theater space and how. And the
0: people. I mean, you can ask her about that. We're the worst people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But um, it's a different way of storytelling, it's a different way of narrative. But I think when the message is the same, because what is, I mean, what is. What is theater and what is art and what... What do you think? The ontological quest. What does it mean to be human? We're trying mm-hmm. to explain it. That's what I think it is. Um, that's what my show does for sure. It explains some of the most human moments that we have questioning who we are and why we do the things that we do through issues of infidelity, self-discovery, unhealthy relationships, beautiful blossoming relationships, true love Thinking, becoming and a friendship. Person. Yeah,
0: True love that that then fucking fades. Or true love that fucking blows up. I've loved people who have fucking broken my heart and I've broken theirs. You know, it's, it's, I think, uh... I'm being
1: ghosted by someone as we speak.
0: Love it. (laughs) Love it.
1: (laughs) Cheers to that. Love it.
0: Oh, man. The most
1: millennial thing ever.
0: (laughs) Yeah, where it's like, I saw you posted something on your story. You didn't text (laughs) me back. That's weird, you know? But no, it's, it's yeah it, it, we live in a weird time, and I think especially yeah. too one of the one of the things you're going up against i I, I really admire you because I think um I appreciate that even as I've gone into to film, you mm-hmm. know I, I'm a theater kid I right. come from that world yeah. um, but as I go into film, you see the the view that people have of it. I yeah. have a very strict policy I don't cast people who don't have a theatrical background because i I don't think they're actors. People are like, what about Jennifer Lawrence and Leo DiCaprio? I'm like, yeah, you're talking about two giant exceptions yeah. to a steadfast rule. If mm-hmm. you're a model and you're like, I'm sure you've heard like the, I'd like to try acting. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'd like to try neurosurgery. You know, and it's like, <laughs> like... it's it's that kind of thing. And I think um, yeah, what I love is, is uh, I've seen that sort of, of attitude about theater is that it's yeah. no longer important. And yeah. we can make a bigger impact for for less on a more massive scale, which in so yeah. many ways is true. Sure, you know, I mean, like I, you, I'm sure you post on your Instagram that have more likes than people will come to the show.
1: Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> it I mean, is. I
0: mean, I hope not. Same. <laughs> but it, um, <laughs> I think if you have a ten thousand likes, though, it's like wow. I, you know, my biggest shows I ever did were. 5,000 audience or something like that sure but it's like yeah you know, and we have a
1: small theater
0: that's what i'm saying yeah. you know and it's like that was that was like theater. i'm gonna throw up you yeah know? so at most at absolute most you're getting 450 because you were like all right you stand in the corner you shut the fuck up no you know anyone asks you you walk out <laughs> right um and it's like but what you're getting is a connection that i think we've really lost because I of do. social media
1: I think live theater is so important, and Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not just because I grew up in the industry. I mean, obviously, I have a passion for it, and that can't be denied, so I'm speaking from a place of being very, very biased. Yeah. But I think that when you get a bunch of people into a shared space and you share something together, there's something very special and collective about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, people can argue that this happens with religion and you know, with all other kinds of things, but... I think that there's something very, very important about witnessing other people's stories. It's an
0: energy too. Totally. And that's
1: happened for centuries in different ways. Jon
0: Snow tells a story that we can relate to, too, where we've all felt like the bastard child, right? But there's not like I'm in the theater and I Mm -hmm. can see fucking Richard III hate himself. Right. And that's why I connect with him. Or I can see... You know, Jean Valjean, like right. really trying to make right. You know, I, I think.
1: You're allowed to feel something that you're feeling. Do you want that's another very... beer? Yeah, I'll have another yeah, beer. Fuck yeah, let's have another yeah. um, You're able to feel something that's really, really pertinent to your life and it's somebody else's experience. And that's just something that's so beautiful about it. That's what's so beautiful about theater. And I mean, it happens in other venues, it happens in film and it happens in. You know, but that's what we're doing. Every
0: medium speaks differently, though. Totally. Like, nothing makes me feel great as quickly as music. Right. You know what I mean? And I love... Like, music's my favorite medium. I wish I was a better musician. Mm. You know? Um, Same. And, you know, this guitar sitting here is very out of tune. And it's because I started hanging out with better musicians. Yeah. And, like, I was like, oh, shit. Like, these are real fucking music. You know what I mean?
1: Well, we were talking about this the other day, and I think that it's super, super important when... I can't remember what it was that you asked me. I feel like you asked me about owning a production company or being a creator and what was the most important thing. I think that was the question. And I said the most important thing, and I totally believe this, is that if you can't do something the best to your ability, find Find and employ someone who can. Because that is where... And I think that... Sometimes there's a negative connotation with creators and artistic people and, you know, because they live in this super passionate world where they're very in touch with their emotions and they want to do things a certain way and the way it manifests itself, well, it's either trendy or it's not. And hence we have (laughs) amazing Broadway shows and hence we have incredible, interesting artsy theater on the fringes of society and we have projects that are failed. And it's because... The way that that passion manifests itself, it's either going to speak to people or it's not. But what's most important is that I think if you as a person in a position of power, having some control over the way a story is told and the way... An artistic project comes into production and you're like, I'm not the best person for this job, but I can hire who is, or give opportunity to a developing artist who is gonna do this a thousand times better than I am. And That's, enjoy it. And enjoy <laughs> it. That's what you need to do.
0: Yeah. That's what you but need to do. But you're I mean you're you're ahead of your time and think or ahead of you're ahead of us by thinking that because so many people want to be the jack of all trades.
1: Well, I will tell you that I know it to be true, and if nothing else, then this process has completely like emboldened me to Mm -hmm. wave that flag of collaboration. if you
0: you have to psych yourself up for something, you're already losing. I think... Like, I fucking hate sales. I have to do it for my own fucking company. But I literally, I sit there, I meditate for 10 minutes before I can do it because I hate picking up the phone, I hate having the awkward conversation, but I have to do it. I'm literally working until I can hire a person to do it for me. You know what I mean? And then then it's going to be exponential growth because I'm going to find someone who likes it. Same thing with art. If you don't like fucking After Effects... find someone who likes After Effects
1: I think more importantly if you have and for theater specifically which is what I can speak to in my experience is if you have a person if you have like a casting agent for example we worked with a phenomenal casting agent her name's Kate Lumpkin Kate Lumpkin casting is incredible for both um, equity and non-equity actors she has access to a talent talent pool Mm -hmm. that we never would have gotten if we just held auditions and publicized it somewhere On like
0: backstage or whatever. exactly, yeah. and yeah. she,
1: you know, and some of our actors are equity and some of our actors are non ac, which I also think is important because I think.
0: Are you doing you know, technically a showcase? Yes, okay, yeah, we're yeah. technically doing seeing a lot showcase. of those.
1: It's the way to go, and I'm yeah, gonna tell you why.
0: Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna me. tell you why
1: it's because, um, I think as a director and as the owner of a production company that. Um, I think actors' equity is very important, obviously. I believe that actors have rights and they deserve to have health care and they deserve to live and have a living wage. But I think what the problem is is that it has so many stringent rules that are then difficult for developing shows. Like young people who take their equity card. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're familiar with it. I was offered my equity card at 18. I don't know if you were. I but was definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I was so far from an equity card. But... Um, that's a very, very tender age to accept actors' equity because then you will be barred from yeah. participating in any show.
0: Especially out, like, outside of New outside York. Outside of
1: New York. Yeah. That's young and developing and on the fringes. You mm. can't just take a show that's a two-week contract for X amount of money that's yeah. going to be cool. So the same. Because if they can't pay you equity wage, then, I mean, you can opt out of it or you can apply to be a showcase. Like, there's ways around it, but that's something that's super difficult and it really... Um, and I'm sure that somebody who was more well versed in actors' equity and what it means and their protocols and stuff would probably, you know, contradict everything that I just said. But as a young creator currently mm-hmm. in development, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's hard. Well, and
0: then there, all of a sudden, because for a while, you know, I was very cool not being union for a long time. And then all there of a sudden, are there's a so switch.
1: many non-union, successful so talented. actors in oh this city. God. And it's because they don't want to be stopped yeah. from doing the kind of work that they want to do. And so many people... I think, especially in our generation, and especially in New York, where the hustle is real and you have to make ends meet, are just like I need to take whatever jobs I can get, and they're happy living a sort of freelance lifestyle where they do a handful of different things, theater being one of them. And they get to work. Yeah.
0: Like at the end of the day, the dream. Remember when we were fucking sixteen? Is let's work. What in was New the York. dream when we were sixteen? I Jamie? wanted to fucking be a working actor in New York.
1: That's a beautiful thing. That's it. I think I wanted to be. Married. Got it. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> got it. Was still hungry. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, oh, how times have changed! Yeah, it's so uh, you know. My mom was always like, "When I was younger, I wanted to own multiple houses." And now I own multiple houses. I want to kill myself. And I'm like, <laughs> That's
1: the funniest yeah. and most mom and thing I'm, to yeah. say and I'm ever. Like, yeah. When I was younger, I wanted to be an actor. I was an actor for a long time. I think what really spurred me to go behind the scenes and start writing and creating is that I wanted, I wanted much more control over the kind of story that I was telling than mm-hmm. I was getting yeah. as an actor, and I really felt. Like,
0: That's so funny. There That's was, how I moved in producing. I was like, they should do it this way. I mean... And then I was like, oh, I guess I'll do it.
1: Creation can get stagnant based on what is trendy and what is cool and what is interesting. And I think that like, the commercialization of theater is like such a huge representation of that. If you go see The Lion King on Broadway, um, as incredible as that production is and how talented the people are... I mean, don't get me started on... Julie Taymor, because I'm very opinionated. Uh, uh, John
0: Weir was one of my old professors. Yeah, I Chicago. mean,
1: but you will exit that show and you will walk through a giant gift shop trying to sell you, Why do you every think little Lion getting King right trinket that's ever yeah. existed. And like, the Lion King is a super important story, and that narrative is very real, and it's something that a lot of people identify. I'm not trying to negate that at all. I'm mm-hmm. just saying, like, as an industry. What kind of stories do we want to tell? Because as a member of that industry, I've decided to take way more control over what that is. Mm -hmm. And I think a huge part of it is because I am in the millennial generation, because I am a woman, because I know a lot of voices that I think don't have a platform to be heard. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's going to shape the kinds of art that we're creating. It
0: sounds... Let me ask you, because something I come up against a lot now... Is the monetary aspect of of the art where you know, Of
1: putting up a show or well, just, just in like general?
0: like you know it, it's you're in a you're in a unique position you have a full-time yeah. job that pays you well that you like so real I know one person and it's you who has that <laughs> situation You know, seriously yeah um, I do I
1: work my production company is uh, what I do on the side and I work full time so full-time,
0: yeah basically have two full-time jobs. Really, I do. Like, you you might say two and a half, right? Yeah. Um, Excuse me. Um, I think, though, something that's very real that I'm coming up against, too. I was talking about the, uh, uh, I was talking about someone with, about Leonardo DiCaprio and she was saying like it's such bullshit that leo gets all these roles like my boyfriend's an actor he's way better than leo i'm sure your
1: boyfriend's great i'm girl.
0: sure but i was like you don't understand <laughs> we had the same conversation about jeffrey Tambor in the show transparent or um mm. uh what's his name uh from the movie i am sam where it was like they should have cast a real down syndrome actor and i'm like you're first of all you're negating two things acting as a craft that a lot of people work very hard on secondly like I am Sam's a great example, they sold that movie by saying, Oh, we're Sean Penn's new movie. So you're gonna make your money back. Or that's
1: hard. It's hard
0: That's what thinking I'm saying. about
1: what you can cash in on and I mean. So how do you it. how do you
0: differentiate the art from the business? Like with sediment, what I'm trying to do, what I'm doing is telling stories yeah. for companies. And it has yeah. the added bonus of paying my rent Mm -hmm. and i get it like everyone i'm working with is is creatively satisfied because i'm not like if it's a mcdonald's commercial i'm not telling the story of like well this is sizzling bacon yeah it's the (laughs) stand-up comedian who can't afford shit and mcdonald's always has his back because he has five dollars for a meal and that's it you know
1: i think the way i negotiate it is that i do everything in my power to embolden the people that I can to support the people that I can. How so? By actively seeking out voices that I think need to be employed on this scene. Okay. I, I'll tell you right now, both my casting agent and my producer, Kate Lumpkin and Kelly McKenzie Weaver. They're phenomenal, both of them. This is not the only female written, produced, and funded project that they are working on this year. Really? Yeah, they have a handful. I love that. Some that they're working on together, some that they're working on separately, but that's important. What's important is that you have a project that was written by women for women, about women, and then you have other women working on other kinds of projects like that who are contracted on this project. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's an active choice because I'm sure that there are many, many, many wonderful male producers and male casting agents, and I'm sure that I would enjoy working with them. But this project Mm -hmm. is about women.
0: Did you find that that limited you? Not at all. Okay.
1: Yeah. I think that it gave me immense opportunity because I think that when you decide when you make a decision one way or the other in a direction that you're going to go it shapes your project and our decision that we have always taken on this project is that we want it to be about women and we want it to be focused on women telling women's stories and because of that we have just cashed in on so many incredible female artists in the city
0: Mm.
1: and as I've said before we have male artists that we're working with and that we employ. Good
0: ones, yeah, I mean, really I, good I mean, ones. I mean, nothing yeah. to sleep on, you know. No,
1: definitely not. <clears throat> so we're really excited about that. It's not an exclusion by any means. It's mm-hmm. more a focus. Yeah, it's more that that's the focus that's of it. our work. That's it. Yeah. I think
0: it's that's that's the key, and I think, um, and I don't know. It's it's hard too. Like, what I'm really most impressed with is getting heard, putting the microphone up to you and, and really like creating a voice with that. Because there mm-hmm. there is so much and like I myself get struggled to heard to be heard rather. And and I'm working with creators who really want to do like um the director of this pilot I'm producing right now. Like he's yeah. Hmong American and he's never seen a show that he can possibly relate to. So he's fucking making it. Right. And getting that voice heard is so hard. And that's yeah. like my biggest you know, the biggest job I have right now. And it's yeah. it's um uh, not because, yes, because of how I grew up and and who I am and all that. But more, I'm very lucky in that I always had a family that was willing to listen to me, and sure. I've always had friends that wanted to grow and and so
1: yeah, that's my important. Thoughts were Community always heard. is real.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I think, I think Honey Dipped is unique because it's our stories. Mm. I mean this will this will be my fourth produced play, but wow. it's my first autobiographical piece. It's hard so, to watch.
0: Um, At this point, maybe not, but.
1: It'll be interesting. I mean, this will be my first time seeing it as, like, a full-stage production. I actually participated in the stage reading and played, like, a more, like, narrator character, which no longer exists um, in the full-stage production. So this will be my first time sitting in the audience seeing Honey Dipped the way a lot of other people did, which I'm sure will be um, an incredibly um, beautiful, emotional moment. And I will love every minute of it. But... Um that's Just throwing like throwing
0: chairs on stage. Yeah.
1: That's its own cha- that's its own challenge for sure. It's 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 a challenge to speak your truth in
0: It's a it's a challenge to listen to yourself tell yourself the truth, you know.
1: Totally, because there are so many moments especially in the show where I've written what actually happened and I'm like I'm annoying as fuck, but <laughs> This is what happened, yeah. you know. Well, it's and it's, that's important.
0: I think you know, my head. Off to, so many people don't want to do that. So many people don't want to admit that. Hey, maybe I didn't do it well. Maybe I'll, I'll, be, the,
1: I'll be the first person to admit that I don't do everything great. Clearly, you fucking <laughs> want to play
0: about it. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like, exactly.
1: You know? Yeah. And I have worked with a lot of people who do what they do a lot better than I do. But I think what um, what we have done. That's really successful and that I'm super excited for the world to hear is that we have talked about everything that we went through with a beautiful recognition that we were doing our best Mm -hmm. and also that gentle push of, you know, showing the moments that we were idiots.
0: How has this process pushed you to grow as a person?
1: As a person,
0: mm-hmm. I got my like NPR voice going right now, yeah. by the way. <laughs> but how is that like, you know, w- what has this process done for you? I, I, I would mean, imagine, I mean, like, I think back about shit I've done and I journal about it and I'm like, okay, that was kind of fucked up. I shouldn't have done that. Here are steps I'm going to take to be better, right? Yeah. How has this, or maybe it hasn't made you I better mean, as a person.
1: I think it has. It's twofold. I think I'd be um, like,
0: I'm awesome. <laughs>
1: I'm the best. No. Um, no, I mean, I'm very cocky and I'm very confident. But, Truly. Um, but also, um, but also I think this has pushed me the most major way is that through this project is really how I came out. Mm. I mean, Can I, I ask
0: what that was like.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a
0: bold question. It's
1: a lot easier to come out when you're with somebody. I happen to be with somebody. When this project um, was conceived and first girl came, or a, guy. a girl okay. came into fruition, so it was easier to come out of the closet for me because I had a girlfriend at mm-hmm. the time. Um, I had struggled and suppressed my sexuality for years and mm-hmm. was finally starting to explore it. But when you write a play about that female relationship, then you know, and you're publicizing it, which I have no shame in publicizing Honey Dip because it's amazing and um, it's work that's important, but. You know, it's like you're disseminating it on social media and everything, and you're just like, "This is who I am now." Yeah. And um, you grew up in St. Louis too. It's not the most. I mean, St. Louis City itself is actually very progressive. I was gonna say, I think it's
0: you went to all girls Catholic school. That's
1: true. I did. You know, I mean, I had I had a lot of issues with it, and I think I, you know, I still struggle. Mm-hmm. With my sexuality in various ways. I think we all do to some degree, but it's.
0: I was say, I'm, you know, it's everyone I know does. Even if it's like something but, as, like, what do you yeah. like in bed? Like it's that one kind thing, of thing.
1: It's one thing to, you know, have your, you know, private sexuality in your dating world and it's another thing to show up on the New York theater scene and write an all out play mm-hmm. about I will a say though, I'm gonna call you out.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna call you out and then I know really? you and I know you would never do it any other way. <laughs> <laughs> that's so real. So you know, for one person it might be like a little blog or a self journal or whatever. And you're like, no, fuck it. I'm writing a play, everyone's gonna see it and that's it. You know Yeah,
1: unapologetically myself. That's another message of Honey Div. Yeah. So that's true. But so, personally, it's challenged me to really not shy away from who I am mm-hmm. and the fact that I am a bisexual woman. That's how I self identify. Mm-hmm. Um, and I currently date women. Um, that's, you know, that's like a whole nother conversation. Bi erasure is real. Uh, but Love it. basically, that happened through Honey Dip, but more as a creator and as a writer, I think that. My greatest challenge came in all of the things that we all go through that all of the characters go through that are not pretty and are not nice and are not things that are fun to write about, but mm-hmm. are things that are so important for us to hear and how to tell those stories and speak for other people with you know respect. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's what when you're writing an autobiographical show that's about, Six real people. Six people that actually existed. Three relationships that happened. Let me pause you. Exist. Current. They're all alive.
0: (laughs) Were you biographical for the other people or were you getting them involved in the writing process too to keep it more autobiographical?
1: Yes. So I interviewed. So every single person um, that's a part of this show, one of the characters Has became fictitious just because that was the best way to write the show but Mm -hmm. the other five characters are based on very very real people who are all aware that this show is happening and who were a part of it some of their writing um, is what encouraged so like some people that I was working with, I was saying I'm gonna develop this and turn it into a show.
0: Mm. And they
1: were like, okay, let me like write down some of my thoughts and send it to you. Other people, I sat down on a couch with a recorder and interviewed them love and it. wrote the scenes Talk, based on I that. Love that. So they're involved. They're yeah. like actively involved. And of course it's my interpretation and as the playwright, I've now written the whole show. The original Honey Dipped Apocalypse Girls was co-wrote, but we've since moved on um, and lost some people who were involved creatively before. Um, and now, um, it's just me. So, um, in order to sort of make it happen, I just, I really, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing it any other way. Is it because I'm an anthropologist? Maybe. Is it because I'm, you know, I want to, you know, do this in a way that's gonna be comfortable for everybody? Maybe it's that. But yeah, so I've worked with every single person. Wow. Yeah. In order to bring this show to life.
0: What's coming out of this? What, you know, you, you have your four days.
1: Totally. Right. I mean, we would love for it to keep going. We have way more material. So a part of the reason we've capped it as an ou- at an hour is because we are showcasing it for mm-hmm. another investor potentially to take it, develop it, and move forward. But ultimately, I think that this story is a really unique way to do theater. It's a really unique collaborative way to tell personal narratives.
0: Mm-hmm. It's um, very vulnerable.
1: It's totally vulnerable. Yeah. And that's what we're showing up to do. And I have other, um, I have some other projects in the works, so I'm not necessarily, I'm super open-minded. I would love for Honey Dip to keep going, but I'm not on the Honey Dip train for life. I'm not, mm-hmm. um, working on this project with the intention. Well, you're going to develop
0: can... new things to talk about. Totally. You know, exactly. Like we all are right now.
1: Yeah. You know, so it's, it's
0: so funny. I try to remind myself like in five years, we will be like, God damn, I wish I could just go back. <laughs> like just be like struggling in New York and do the whole thing, you know, again, it's like, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, sorry.
1: To no, you. I think that's I think that's so real. But yeah, so I mean, what are we looking to accomplish in this four in these four days? I think um, these performances are really special. I think that all of the people that involve are involved in Honey Dipped are really special. So getting to see them do what they do best and create and perform their art, mm-hmm. that's a part of what we're doing. But I think more than that is we're continuing to support a niche of our theater community that's focused on on developing the female talent that's already there. Mm. So that's something that we're really actively contributing to and something that I'm so excited to bring.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Where yeah, the Where is it showing? Where can we see it?
1: Oh, absolutely. When? So Honey Dipped Apocalypse Girls is April 12th through the 15th at the Crane Theater, which is in East Village on 4th Street. And it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday at 7.30 p.m., Sunday at 3 p.m. Tickets are $25. Where do I go? You can go to www.honeydippedgirls.com for more information and to see our trailer and to meet the artists and all this cool stuff. And we also are all up on that Instagram at Honeydip There's a
0: fundraiser on Tuesday. There's a fundraiser
1: on Tuesday, Tuesday, April 3rd. We will be at Nobody is Perfect in the East Village from 7 to 10 p.m. Happy hour. Such that a whole time.
0: East Village play. <laughs> I love it's it. It's
1: truly not, James. It is very <laughs> local. So all the Brooklynites, all the Manhattanites, you can all come. And, yeah, so that's on Tuesday, April 3rd, and we'll be playing some live music from the show and introducing our cast. So that'll be a super awesome event for all those reasons.
0: I'm really, like, I'm excited for the show, but I'm really excited to see where you go with this. Like, <laughs> I, I I really think, like... As am I. <laughs> I mean, I, I, as are we all, right? But I, I, I think, like, with... Hmm... I'm starting to learn about people who I considered really close friends and mm-hmm. collaborators. And I'm starting to see the fade a little bit. And mm-hmm. I'm starting to see, like, oh, okay. Like, if this is a race, which I don't think it is. But it's, it's, no. it's certainly a... What's the kind of race where they, like, hand you the baton? A relay.
1: A relay. You're, Not everybody's in competition, but there's something about um, having an equally matched tenacity. That's what I'm
0: saying. Some yeah. people are continuing to build. Mm-hmm. And some people are like, no, I'm good here. I'm comfortable here. And what I I, I really appreciate about you is you're like, no, no, no. Like, you can't get to the next checkpoint fast enough. And also, you're like, I want to make sure I run this leg perfectly.
1: Too much to be said. Too many important things to say.
0: That's what I'm saying. It's it's very... um, I fiddle with everything, by the way, which is why. um, But it's very... Inspiring to see. It's it's good to. It's kind of interesting how the universe works because it's it, it's like the more you decide to elevate yourself, the universe is like, oh great, here's some people that'll make you even better. That's
1: so real. You I know. mean, yeah, we reconnected because not mutual friends of ours. Because of like, Google. Yeah, totally. Um, Doing it, similar stuff. <laughs> y'all should talk. And it's like, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and yeah. it's like
0: when you when you meet people are like, oh, you're on my frequency. Okay, cool, cool. Let's let's continue to build from here. And then there's people who, you know, I love, and I'm like, hey. I need you to step it up.
1: It's okay to take a step back from what you do creatively. But I think that then you have to own that vacuum. And you can always get that spark back. But there's something super special about people that keep the ball moving. And it's hard. I I have so much respect for it. It's so difficult. And I have been very fortunate to be able to do so because I have various platforms where Mm. my voice is heard, where I'm able to write my plays and perform my poetry and, like, all these different things that I do. And I'm super grateful. I'm very fortunate for, for all of those. But it's a hustle. Yeah. You know, and you well, are It's hustle. a
0: hustle. And then we have this weird thing called social media that's showing totally. you super successful people who are younger. Right. And you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. What's happening? Why am I not there? Yeah. You know, and it's it's designed to kind of make you feel shitty about mm-hmm. yourself. Literally, Facebook is in trouble for making you feel shitty about yourself. And, yeah, I think it's it's the one thing I'm really trying to work on right now is kind of tune out everything and just focus on where I'm going. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and focus on...
1: It's hard. ...the
0: work. But that's what I appreciate about you and what you're doing, so... And I
1: think as an artist, you're sort of like every experience is something that you can build on. I mean, I like to joke that I'm not like Taylor Swift, except I totally am, because all of my... Like, all of my poetry and all of my writing, like, a vast majority I'm of it impressed stems you do poetry. From my relationships. Oh, yeah. How did you
0: get into poetry? I started so, yeah.
1: writing poetry... Two years ago. Okay. Um, How did you? Start? Every time I
0: sit down to do it, I kind of feel douchey, so I stop.
1: Yeah, that's real. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, ah,
0: I can't do this. Like,
1: I, I mean, I have really, I um, am a intern and an events coordinator with the Brooklyn Poets, and so I perform monthly at their open mic nights, and it's been wow. really a great opportunity to collaborate with other poets and hone my craft there. But I write so much about my relationships, like even people that I'm just like dating casually. I'll write poems about different things that happen. How New York of you. So New York. <laughs> I post them on my poetry Instagram and um, it's been it's been such a cool thing. Yeah. And it's the coolest thing ever when you're an artist and what social media does well is that you're able to reach random people and you get that comment or you get that person that slides into your DMs and they're like, hey, your work matters for me.
0: I love that. Like, I've actually been making a point to like reach out to people that I really I think it's look so important. To. It's so people important. People like, all I of them are like, verify my accounts, da 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 da. But I've got yeah. people to respond, like, oh, no, thank you. I,
1: I really, like, I do my best to, especially with artists in the city, when I see art that's cool and mm. I see things that I like, make a point to go up to that person and say, like, I think what you did is really cool. Because that's something we struggle with. It's
0: interesting, too, because like, we
1: want to like something behind a yeah. screen. We don't well, want to talk to that person. It's also
0: like the, those people, I, I've at least assumed like they're happy, they're whatever. And like some of my like really good friends who are famous, yada, 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 mm. are like, they struggle. Yeah. And like they'll ask me advice and shit like that. And yeah. And and so anyway, thank you.
1: Absolutely. This is a lot of fun. This has been the best fun. I got
0: the wrap it up thing and I got, <laughs> too, I got locked into the conversation. You
1: know, I am a one woman production company. There are things that... <laughs> There are things we got to do, but, yo. <laughs> no, this is, this
0: is hands down my favorite podcast I've done. Oh, my gosh. This, yeah. Well, this is my
1: first podcast, so it's also so it's my favorite. favorite. It's also my favorite. Yeah. Cheers you. to that, Jamie McKinney. Thank you very much. Thank you so much Appreciate for having it. me. Yeah. This has been awesome.
0: Awesome human being. Helen, thank you so much for coming on. Please check out Honey Dipped Apocalypse Girls on Instagram. Uh, check out their website for all the dates. Um, they have some really great content out there as well. And hit the fundraiser on Tuesday. Helen, thanks so much. Coming up next week, uh, Mr. Sagan Schultz, founder of Well um, Well. He's also... Man, seconds up to a whole lot. Recently photography though, which is what we've been talking a lot about. So um, check that out. I'm excited to talk with them. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in guys. Really excited to, to bring what's coming to you. Um, and yeah, I'll talk to you next week.